0: Uh, to uh, James chapter 3 and Colossians chapter 4. Of course, this is going to be on the screen. I'm going to read both these passages of Scripture again, even though the focus today is going to be again in James chapter 3. Okay? So let's pray together, and then we'll get started. Okay? Father, I am grateful that we can come again into your house. And Lord, if all of us were honest, we would confess again that we are sinners and we are unworthy to stand before you. But, Father, we are so grateful for your grace, your unmerited and undeserved and unfailing and unending love for us. And we thank you that through your Son, Jesus, that we have become not only forgiven, but we've become your very own children. Father, so often, like children, we make poor decisions, and... Argue with you and go in different directions and disobey you, but we thank you, Father, that one of the ways that you seek to guide us is through your word. And I thank you for the scripture. I pray, Father, that we would truly not only believe that this is the word of God, but we would live out the principles and truths within the word of God. And Father, if we were honest as Christians, as all people standing in your presence, we would say that our tongues are one of the things that we have the greatest trouble with. Father, I'm thankful that throughout history the Scripture verifies that this has been a problem for every generation and for every person. No one is immune to using their tongue in an ungodly way. And Lord, I just pray that we would allow you to freedom by your Word and by your Holy Spirit to convict us of when we use our tongue for the wrong purpose and father I just pray that you would give us the grace and the strength to know that even though we can't tame our tongues you can and just as Matthew has just sung you're able you're able father to use even our mouths for the purpose and kingdom of God and so I just pray that in these moments ahead you'll take your word and speak to our hearts And, Father, that you'll make a difference in our lives. And may we truly bear witness to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, in the event that you were not here, we began a brief study on the godly and ungodly use of the tongue. And one of the first things that you and I must understand is that we can use our tongue, first of all, for ungodly purposes. Now listen to the verses out of James chapter 3, and they're going to be on the screen, so just follow as I read them, okay? James chapter 3. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, for you know that we who teach shall be judged with greater strictness. For y'all make many mistakes, and if anyone makes no mistakes in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body also. If we put bits in the mouths of horses that they may obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder whatever, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So the tongue is a little member and boast of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is an unrighteous world among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the cycle of nature, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by humankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. A restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who are made in the likeness of God. From the very same mouth comes blessings and cursing. My brethren this ought not to be. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening fresh water and brackish? Can a fig tree, my brethren yield olives or a grapevine figs, no more than salt water yield fresh? But, folks, the Word of God tells us what we can do with our tongues that is for the honor and glory of God, and we're going to get on that soon. But let me read these verses, Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 to 9. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And pray for us also that God may open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear as I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves wisely toward outsiders making the most of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer everyone. Tychicus will tell you about my affairs. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, the faithful and beloved brother, who is one of yourselves, they will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Folks, last Sunday we learned that the tongue is the world's smallest but largest troublemaker. We also learned that James and Paul are writing to the church, to Christians. And please especially notice in James chapter 3, in verse 1, verse 10, and verse 12, James says, my brethren. Folks, he is not talking to a bunch of heathen, ungodly, unlearned people about God, but he's speaking to the church. And folks, Jesus, and we're going to show this verse again on the screen, Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, Jesus tells where tongue problems begin. The tongue problem begins with a heart problem. Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what Jesus is teaching, what James is teaching, what we're going to learn that Paul is teaching, is that when Jesus is Lord of the heart, then he is also Lord of our lips. But I want to remind you also of what James says in verse 2 of chapter 3 of James. For we all make many mistakes. If you've got a New International Version, we all stumble in many ways. If you've got the Living Bible, for we all make many mistakes. If anyone can control his tongue, it proves he has perfect control over himself in every way. So folks, let's pick up this morning with verse 3 where James gives more information about the tongue. And before we get started, let me, let me mention two other quick things. Last Sunday evening, uh, after the sermon, a parent was talking to me about the message, and they made this observation about our young people today. And young people, this was not a criticism, okay? It's something that I had not even thought about. One of your major and most important ways of communication and speech is texting, and emails. Therefore, as a young person, if you want to be Christ-like, you would, must not only be Christ-like in your speech, but also in your texting and in your email. And that reminded me of what Paul says in 1 Corinthians ten thirty-one: whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And again, that just—I just wanted to share that with you because I'm not an emailer, I'm not a texter, and you know that. And so it just reminded me that in everything that we do, whether it is the literal words that we speak or the words that we send to others, it needs to give glory and honor to God. And one other thing: last week I asked you to make a list of the positive things that you and I can do with our tongues. If you hadn't done that, I hope you'll think about that and meditate upon it and do it. So let's begin this morning with verses 3 and 4. And, folks, I want to tell you, again, James 3, uh, why does James all of a sudden begin to talk about the bit of a horse horse, and a rudder? And, and, folks, you know, you scratch your head sometimes as you read Scripture, but listen, James is trying to make a point. And in uh, verse 5, he's going to say, "...the tongue is a little member, but boast of great things." And so back in verses 3 and 4, James is going to use the concept of a bit and a rudder to make an illustration about our tongue. Now, folks, listen to this. A bit, and I don't know anything about horseback riding or, or horses or mules, but a bit is a small piece that is put in a horse or mule's mouth to enable the rider to control that animal. And a rudder is a small piece of the ship compared to all the other parts. But that rudder enables the pilot of the ship to steer that large vessel. And so what James is trying to do is get for people in the church to think about small items that can control large animals and large ships. And here's his point. The tongue is a small member of the body, verse 5, yet it has power to accomplish many things, many great things. With our mouths, we can accomplish many great and wonderful things, but with our mouths, we can accomplish some very bad and horrible things. Folks, there are three points that I think James would have us understand about the bit and the rudder. First of all, the bit and rudder must, must overcome contrary forces. Now stay, hang with me on this, okay? All right, because I think it's a very beautiful part. The bit must overcome the wild nature of the horse. Now think about this for just a second. Have you ever seen the old cowboy movies where they're rounding up wild horses and they've got to break them? They call them bronking bucks. They have to break them so that that wild nature is taken out of the horse. And also, that rudder that's on a ship must overcome winds and currents that would drive the ship off course and into dangerous territory. And folks, I believe here's the point that James is making. As Christians, you and I have that old sinful nature that wants to control us, that wants us to sin. There's a world around you and I that wants to make you and me say things that we should not say as Christians. Now you can say amen, you want to at any time, okay? Because folks, there is a world around us that seeks to get control of our tongue. And and it's evident everywhere you go. How often do we stop at a stoplight? And young people, I'm not trying to pick on you, but how often do we stop at a stoplight... And the music in the vehicle next to us is so overpowering that you can't even hear what you're listening to. Have you ever had that experience? It happened to me on Friday in Durham. And I, you know what I do a lot of times? I roll, I roll, well, much time I went down, but I cut my radio off so I can hear what that music, you know, if they want to hear it so loud, I think we well, must have a wonderful message. Wrong. I couldn't believe the filth that was being broadcast Now now again folks, I'm not saying young people's filth is any worse than some of our music That encourages us to have an affair with another woman or another man. Let's get real and let's get honest, okay? But folks what I'm saying is there's a lot of things around us in our world not everything on TV is bad not every bit of music is bad but there's an effort by Satan and the world to promote language that is ungodly and unchristlike, that's disrespectful, that is demeaning, not only to other human beings, but to God Himself. And folks, it's not just the TV programming and the music that's trying to persuade us to do the wrong thing with our tongues. Have we ever lived in such a world when bad news is welcomed over good news? When we'd rather listen to gossip and somebody being put down. And folks, I told you last Sunday, I'm guilty of all these things. And I don't have any particular person in mind as I'm sharing this except all of us are fighting this same battle. Lying, getting someone to lie for us. Don't you dare tell the lawyers I said this, but, you know, I get so frustrated sometimes. I see these folks on TV that have murdered somebody, that have abused or raped or just done all these horrible crimes, and they'll pay somebody to lie for them. God is not fooled. And we might be able to fool an earthly judge or a human jury, but we cannot fool God. And, folks, it goes with everything that comes out of our mouth. And, folks, you and I need to understand why speech is so important. What is at stake is our witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I asked this last Sunday, and I got ahead of myself in my notes, but if you heard me take God's name in vain, if you heard me spout out four-letter expletives, would you want me to be your pastor? And, folks, I'm just not talking about pastor. I'm talking about all of us as Christians. Folks, we have this contrary force in us, like the wild horse that doesn't want to be broken, that doesn't want to be controlled, that wants to be untamed. And James is saying that this same force can be at work in a Christian's heart speaking through the tongue. But, folks, point number two that James would make about the bit and rudder. The bit and rudder must be under the control of a strong hand. Now, listen, the man riding or woman riding the horse must have firm control. You guys, I wish I'd asked somebody that has horses. now. You must have a firm hand with a horse. The person that is operating the rudder on the ship must have a strong hand. And, folks, later in this passage of Scripture, James is going to say in verse 8, but no human being can tame the tongue. And, folks, that is the truth. I cannot do it myself. And I have tried and tried and tried. I've tried not to speak disrespectfully to my wife and my children and to others, but I, 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 I lose. I lose control. And we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. But folks, here's the point behind all of this. When Jesus Christ controls our tongues, we bear witness to his grace and to his strength at work in our lives. We must yield control of our tongues to Jesus or our tongues will literally whip us to death spiritually. And we'll be out of control. There must be a strong hand, and it is the hand of the Lord. And the third point I believe that James is making is that if the bit and rudder are not functioning, then there can be an effect of endangering other people's lives. A runaway horse can do what? Can injure the rider, can injure others. If a ship is out of control, it can cause injury and death to others. And I believe that James is trying to say the words that we speak as Christians affect the lives of others. We cannot underestimate what we're doing to the life of others by the words that we say. And folks, just think for just a second, the words that you and I give out can either be encouraging words or words of of guidance. You know, I think about the people that have encouraged me in my life and the people that have spoke kindly and the people that have tried to guide me. What a blessing they are. But folks, I think about the people that have tried to to be ugly deliberately and try to gossip or try to just demean me. And, And folks, sometimes there was reason. But folks, do you see the difference? What type of people do you and I want to be? Think about the impact of positive words on others. And let me give you you just a couple of quick examples, okay? In John chapter 4, Jesus speaks to a woman at the well. I picked these stories out because you'll remember them well. He speaks encouraging words to a woman who has been rejected by everybody else. And her life and the lives of her neighbors are changed. Do you remember? She gets the living water and she goes back to her village And tells the people she's met the Messiah. How about Peter? Who cussed the night that Jesus was being tried. But in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. In the power of the Holy Spirit. He preaches. And 3,000 people came to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. In April 1855. And I read this story. There was a man named Edward Kimball who went into a Boston shoe store and spoke kind words of witness to a young man named Dwight L. Moody. Dwight L. Moody received Christ as his savior because of the witness of that man, and Dwight L. Moody became one of the greatest evangelists in history. Folks, think about the power that you and I have to encourage others not only to trust Christ as their Savior, but the power to help others live for the Lord Jesus Christ. And James is teaching that our tongues have the power to direct people to Jesus Christ, or our tongues have the power to lead them away from Jesus Christ. And here's a question that we need to ask. When people hear you and me and our church speak, are they led to Christ or away from Christ? And folks, I know these are some hard questions to deal with. But then beginning in verse 5, James is going to describe the destructive power of the tongue. And folks, James is a straight shooter. I'll be honest with you. I don't like to read the book of James a lot because he just... Goes right straight to the heart. And in verses 5 and 6, James compares our tongues to fire. Think about the destructive force of fire. In October 1871, there was a great Chicago fire. It's reported, now, again, I don't know if this is true or not, it's reported that a farmer was milking a cow. Uh, And the cow knocked over the lantern, and it set the straw on fire, and it became a fire that got greater and greater. 17,500 buildings were destroyed. 100,000 people were left homeless. 300 people died, and it cost the city of Chicago more than $400 million. And this was back in 1871. Here's the point. How great... A fire can a small spark begin. How many of us have witnessed a forest fire on the side of the road? How many of us, even this year, have heard and seen on the news how just a little spark began a fire that consumed thousands and thousands of acres? Even within our church family, some have lost their home and businesses that have been destroyed by fire. Folks, what James is trying to say, every fire is started by a small spark. Listen to this, verse 5. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. And he also says in verse 5, our tongue is a little member, but in verse 6, our tongue is a fire. So, folks, what is James saying here? Each one of us must consider that our tongues, our words, our text, our emails can start fires and like a fire our tongues can become first of all a source of destruction look at Matthew excuse me Proverbs chapter 26 verses 20 and 21 and let me read these for lack of wood the fire goes out and where there's no whisperer quarreling ceases as charcoal to hot embers and wood to fire so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Now do you get the message? I mean that seems pretty uh like some old time speech there. But folks, if there's no fuel for the fire, the fire is gonna go out. But folks, if there is fuel put on the fire, it's gonna get greater. If we use our tongues for ungodly purposes, it can become very destructive. Now think about this. In marriages, in family relationships in community relationships even in church bodies the tongue of a contentious quarreling gossiping Christian can bring destruction so number one the tongue as a fire can bring destruction the tongue as a fire what does fire do it heats things up I, I don't like telling you this stuff because this sounds like a description of me listen A hot head and a hot heart can lead to burning words that we later regret. Can I have an amen? Have you and I ever said anything because we got angry? We wish we'd never said them after they were said, but we got so full of anger that they just blurted out from us. Let me read a passage of Scripture to you out of of Psalms 39. And if you'll pull that up on the screen... And Fran typed this in so it, it included the heading of the psalm. But listen to this. I'm going to read Psalms 39, 1 through 3 in the Revised Standard, and then I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible. Listen to this. To the choir master, to Jeduthun, a psalm of David. Now listen to what David said. David said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. Now listen to this. That sounds admirable, doesn't it? Haven't we all said that? I'm going to pray, God, help me, that I won't, mis- I won't use my tongue for evil purposes today. Listen to it. I will bridle my mouth so long as the wicked are in my presence. You know what he's saying? God, these people that get on my nerves, I'm praying. I won't say anything ugly or bad or ungodly. Verse 2, I was dumb and silent. Now, dumb doesn't mean stupid, okay? Dumb means he didn't say anything. I was silent. I held my peace. To no avail. My distress grew worse. My heart became hot within me. As I mused, the fire burned, then I spoke with my tongue. Do you get the picture? Have you ever had that experience? God, today, I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say anything out of the way to anybody. God, today, I'm going to be that little perfect angel that I know that I ought to be, and I'm not going to get mad. I'm not going to get angry. I'm not going to get upset. Let me, let me read this, these verses, and I'm going to read beyond the, th- the third verse in Psalms 39 in the Living Bible. Listen to this. I said to myself, I'm going to quit complaining. I'll keep quiet, especially when the ungodly are around me, But as I stood there silently, the turmoil within me grew to the bursting point. The more I mused, the hotter the fires inside. Then at last I spoke and pled with God, Lord, help me to realize how brief my time on earth will be. Help me to know that I am here, but for a moment more. My life is no longer than my hand. My whole lifetime is but a moment to you. Proud man, frail as breath, a shadow... And all his busy rushing ends in nothing. He heaps up riches for someone else to spend. Here's the verse I wanted to get to. Listen to verse 7. And so, Lord, my only hope is in you. Save me from being overpowered by my sins. Have you ever felt that way? Lord, my only hope is in you. You know, I can stand up here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and preach sermons but in my own strength, I can't even overcome my own tongue and my building up inside and getting hot. Folks, listen to what James is saying. Uncontrolled anger and temper leads to ungodly speech. And I don't know about you. I'm speaking primarily about myself. My speech and my level of anger go together. And I believe that's why James is trying to point out that large fires begin with small sparks. I'm not going to call, I don't have but two daughters, but I'm not going to call the name here. But one of my daughters in high school loved to go down to the vice principal's office. And it was not for an encouraging word. And they had my pager number and my cell phone number. And I don't know if you remember those days of seeing my truck up at the high school often. And I wasn't going up there to do devotions, okay? And I'll never forget what she told me one day. She got in trouble with one of the teachers. (laughs) And I said, why? Why can you not control yourself in that room? And this is what she told me. That teacher pushes my wrong button. And she knows which button to push. And when she pushes that button, daddy, I just lose it. You ever had that experience? Let me read to you um, James chapter. I'm going to get ahead of myself. Where am I at? Proverbs. Proverbs 14, 29. Listen to this. Proverbs 14, 29. Look look at this verse, y'all. He who is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. You want to know one of the keys to remaining under control is not lose your anger. And I hope nobody says, well, Herbert, tell me how to do it. I can't do it today because I hadn't found out myself. It's in the Bible, and we're going to find it, okay? It's in the Bible. But folks, listen to this. Fires start Start small, but grow if not put out. Let me ask you something. As I ask myself, what habits with our tongues started off small? Maybe they started off in a small group. Maybe maybe we didn't intend for it to get out of control. I'm going to go ahead and confess something to you. Before I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, I just was out of control with my mouth. Cussing, foul mouth. I had no control over it. That was one of the ways that God convicted me that something needed to change in my life. I'll never forget uh, one of my high school friends. I was sitting in the car with he and his girlfriend and, and, a policeman came by, we were just sitting there just talking. And I said something that I don't to this day would never know who that police person was, but as that policeman drove by, I, I cussed at him. Of course he couldn't hear me. And it suddenly dawned on me in front of one of my best friends and his girlfriend That I'd said something that was very, very inappropriate, especially for that young girl to hear. And I knew then that I was in trouble. And I knew then that I did not have control over my cussing and being foul mouthed. And folks, fill in the blank in your life. Maybe it's not cussing or being foul mouthed, maybe it's bitterness, maybe it's complaining, maybe it's gossiping, maybe it's judging. But you know what James is saying? Folks, if that gets out of control, it might begin small. It might begin in an area of your life that you feel like you're hiding. Because you see, I thought that I was doing that. But folks, my tongue was taking over. And I found out why I was doing that. I didn't have Jesus in my heart. But, folks, I've also found out since I've got Jesus in my heart and as a Christian, I still struggle with this. And let me tell you some good news, and this is something I want every single one of us to hear. If you hadn't heard anything else, please listen for the next minute or so, okay? What is the spiritual antidote for tongues that are out of control? You know what it is? It's the blood of Jesus Christ. Go to the next slide, if you will. 1 John nine, I have to keep going back to this verse over and over. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, listen. The only way, the only hope we have in dealing with our tongues is the Spirit of God at work first of all in our heart so that what issues out of our heart will be Christ-like things instead of unchrist like I'm going to close, okay? And, and there's still more and we're going to talk about this again next Sunday and then we're going to get the godly use of the tongue, okay? I'll be honest with you. I don't know of a topic that I've spoken of recently that I believe would hit every person sitting in this congregation like these words do, beginning from the pulpit. I want you to understand something. I'm sharing from my heart with you. I've been very personal with you about things that I'm not proud of, never have been, never will be. But, folks, there's an answer, and it is the power and strength of God. And, folks, I don't have any particular person that I'm trying to engage with. But what I'm trying to tell us as a church, we can be so encouraging and so pushing others to Christ. I meant that in a good way, not in a coercive way or we can be damaging not only our influence to others and the influence of this church, but more than anything else, the influence of the kingdom of God on a person's heart by what we say. And I'm struggling. I I admit that. This week I I blew up about something at home, and I thought, well, I wonder what the preacher's going to say this Sunday after he did that. I mean... I struggle with this. It's a daily thing, and we're going to talk about that next week. Folks, this is not something you just one day say, well, God, take over my tongue, and, and it's over. As long as we are people that have the ability to communicate, this is going to be a struggle. And Satan's going to attack us. But there is an antidote, the blood of Jesus Christ. Bless his holy name, and bless the power of his blood. Let's pray together. Father, your word convicts us of our need to surrender our tongues to you. Father, I confess before your people that I struggle on a daily basis with this. And Lord, I just pray that you would speak peace peace to our hearts, Lord, that greater is he that is within us than he that's within the world. And Lord, help us to make a decision that we would let the Spirit of God dwell in us and that Jesus would be the Lord over our hearts so that when we speak, people would know that we're one of your children. Father, many of us are struggling. Lord, we struggle with our tempers. We struggle with our language. But God, again, I just pray that you will help us to realize that you want to forgive any sin that we've committed, even with our tongue, and you will. And you'll give us the power, Father, this day, this week, to live above the temptation and the influence of the world about us. Lord, instead of the world influencing us, help us to influence the world to turn to you. May we truly be the light in a dark world and the salt of the earth. As we sing together this hymn of invitation, I pray that if there's anyone here that needs to respond, that you'll lead them to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.